The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecastersnetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Hello, and welcome to Lucas Lectures, hosted by the big fish himself, veteran Lucas. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's topic. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Lucas Lectures. It's me, Veteran Lucas. Hope you guys are having a fantastic day or night, whenever you're listening. So, uh, in my life right now, I did actually just get back from the hospital. I was uh, had a gallbladder removal surgery, so every time I sneeze, it now hurts. But that's just recovery. I had to do it early so I could make sure I could recover enough to go around Dragon Con. I don't know if you've ever walked around in full cosplay, but doing so... When you have like a gallbladder that feels like just, you know, I don't want to be here right now and I might just leave your body. Not the best call. So I did a little bit earlier. Anyway, on today's episode, uh, I looked back to the iTunes list because honestly, whenever I have a great idea, I'm like, you know what? Let's see if somebody has a better idea. And it turns out, unfortunately, somebody always does. So a while back ago, we talked about how to best identify Pokemon. We talked about how type coverage is a really dumb way to do it and how there's other ways to go about it. Honestly, we figured out that like how they breed is probably the best way to go about it. But someone brought up an interesting point. If we were to discover a new Pokemon, how do we identify it? Now, we take it for granted because when we play the games, we find it, we catch it. The Pokedex already has all the information for it. But what happens if you're the new guy? What happens if you're the one who finds a Pokemon that has never been seen by anybody before, and it's your job to categorize it, get all the information you need, and slap it in a Pokedex to make sure that some kid can catch it and, you know, have the information ready to go? And so that's what we are going to go through today. We're going to do a bit of review on what it takes to be a species in our world. Then we'll go ahead and we will work on how it would work in Pokemon and we'll use a recently newer Pokemon to try and break down how it would work out and overall how the public would react to it. So we'll just jump right into the review. We talked about this in our typing lecture and when you are identifying something in our world, you have to use domain, kingdom, phyla, class, order, family, genus, species. You have to use the key of how you categorize an animal. So. We used dogs last time, so let's review with dogs again. If I were to just take a common beagle or whatever, they're in domain eukaryota, which means that they have cells with nucleus and organelles. Of that, they are in kingdom animalia, so we know that they are in a plant, fungus, protist. We know they share the features of an animal. Uh, phyla chordata, which means they have a backbone. Uh, class mammalia, so we know they have hair and produce milk. Order carnivora, which means they are mainly meat eaters and on the land. Uh, then we have family Canidae, which means they're going to have a lot of the what we consider dog-like traits. Genus Canis, which means even more specific dog-like traits. And then species is familiaris, which is the, its individual nomenclature. So when you hear a scientific name like Aurelia Aurelia, uh, Rhinoptera Bonassis, the first one is going to be the genus. So like this very specific group it's part of. And then the species is its individual. For us, we're Homo sapien. So we are in the genus Homo and the species is sapien. Now, if you are discovering a new organism and you got to put in all those categories, you do have to do a couple of, you have to follow a couple steps in order to get it officially recognized. Number one, you need to make sure it has a Latin name. 
uh, Latin is a dead language, so you don't have to worry about affronting anybody or making it too hard. Everyone's on equal footing. Uh, number two, names got to be unique. You can't just copy someone else's Latin name. You kind of have to make up your own. Uh, number three, you have to be described in a lot of different ways. It has to be able to go through what it looks like, what it eats, that sort of thing. Uh, the description does have to include statements about its attributes like size and where exactly it will fit on the animal kingdom like family tree or wherever part of the kingdom tree it's on. And finally, all of that information you just put down has to be published and they have to go through it multiple times through multiple peer review processes to make it official. These are the basics. You're gonna need a ton of more stuff than just that if you really wanna cement it in the digital age we live in. Keep in mind, you're gonna to wanna to take lots and lots of pictures. Back in the old days, it would literally sit there and sketch it and hopefully you could sketch it right. So you needed some super art skills to try and get it right. Now, things can change with new information, as we said before. Um, a lot of times with species, and we'll go over in just a second, that's how a lot of species are found is when it's like, oh, snap, we didn't categorize this creature correctly, so now it's something completely different. Our bad. If we're going on to about how new species are discovered in our world, like the how it's done, a lot more than you think are discovered on a yearly basis. And it's not just some random bacteria or something. It's full-grown, like multicellular organisms. So I want you to think of how many species are discovered every single year on average. Just put a number in your head, just think it through. So one study found that on average, we are discovering between 15,000 and 18,000 new species every year. That does include old species that have been recategorized as new species, like we just talked about, where when you discover it's like something a little bit different. That still counts, but that's a lot of animals that are being discovered. In the oceans alone, you're actually finding somewhere around 2,000 different things in that water every single year. Now, obviously, most of the things in there aren't going to be things like whales and new bears, but most of them are actually going to be insects, and that's just because arthropods rule the world. Bugs rule the world. They are everywhere on everything at all times. Bugs rule. Uh, when you're going back to the ocean, you will find most of them in the deep water, and that's just because it's the least explored region. Every time you send a robot down there, you send a submersible down there, you find a ton of different stuff you've never seen before that looks like it crawled out of your nightmares. But that still counts as a brand new species, and then they got to do all that categorizing right then and there. Uh, they aren't always going to be tiny, though. A lot of times when you think new species, you think, well, we've cornered the earth and we can find things just as easily because we kind of are all over the place. But it turns out we'll find some big stuff. In 2001, they found what's now known as Rice's Whale, named after the researcher who found it. It was categorized as a new species, and it was hiding in plain sight because they thought it was another species completely. This whale wasn't living in the Arctic. This animal was not living away from people. This was in the Gulf of Mexico. This was in American-Mexican territory, two major world powers with tons of boat traffic coming through. And they found that, oops, this whale was not part of this whale group, but is actually its completely own group. This happens a lot more often than you'd think. And it's important to remember that every time like we're discovering a species, it helps a little bit in the face of what we're going through. We are going through a sixth mass extinction. Animals are going extinct or becoming endangered at a very rapid rate. Every day that we discover something new in an area is another organism that we can use to say, hey, 
we just discovered this. This area needs to be better protected. That new whale they discovered, Rice's whale, has a predicted population of only about less than 100. So we could have been accidentally putting these things down for decades without knowing it, knowing the consequences of action. It's pretty tough stuff. And let's go ahead and let's kind of a downer, but let's move on to the Pokemon. So we're looking at the Pokemon world and we are just some schmuck who is trying to find a new Pokemon. We are going to need to categorize them in three different ways. Number one, we're going to need to get a typing. Number two, an egg group. Number three, a dex entry. They don't have to all be in that order, but that's just kind of how I listed them in my notes. Now, for this test, we were real lucky because less than a week ago, since I'm recording, we got ourselves a brand new Pokemon, Cyclozar. Now, if you haven't seen this thing, it's the kind of like the middle ground between the two legendaries. It looks like a really weird lizard bicycle, like just right in the middle instead of a motorcycle. But let's just pretend that all you saw of this thing was a picture. No better yet. Let's say that you were out in the woods and you just walked across this organism as a Pokemon scientist. What do you do? Well, from what I understand, you basically have two options. You can either study it from afar in the wild to learn what you can about it, or you can catch it, take it to an area where you can work with it more thoroughly, and go from there. Uh, in order to get the deck sentry, it's probably going to be better to try and observe it, how it behaves in a distance and in its natural habitat. And it gives you a chance to take notes to make sure that that first draft is pretty accurate. It's pretty hard to make a, like a proper natural deck sentry when you're in like a controlled environment and your deck sentry is, huh, this Pokemon does not like the cage that it is sitting in right now as I feed it berries. You're going to try and get a good natural view before you bring it in anywhere. Uh, you want to make sure you're writing down exactly what it's doing throughout the day, though. Uh, when you are making these observations for a real-life animal species, you are trying to make sure that everything that it does is being recorded so that way you can talk about its behavior, not just what it's doing at all times, but like, what is it eating? Where does it prefer to sleep? How much of its time is it spending sleeping? How much time is it of trying to catch its food versus avoiding its predators? What is it exactly doing to survive in the environment that it's in? What is the environment that it's in? That's all information you need to be writing down and collecting to try and learn more and more about this organism. Keep in mind, in Pokemon, the stakes are a lot higher because you have no idea if this thing is just a weird lizard bicycle thing or if it learns explosion at level one and likes to blow itself up out of just pure joy. You don't know. So you have to take it cautiously. Now, while you're watching it, you can also come up with some good names for it. Uh, in anime, like in the, in the English anime, they have them like saying their name like the Squirtle, Squirtle sort of thing. That's only in the English. I think it's dumb. I play by the game's rules and they'll make some weird 8-bit noise, which is, I'll be honest, not much better. But I think it works out great. You don't ha you have to actually come up with a name for this thing. And Cyclozar, uh, good name as any. Again, it looks like a weird bike and this region has weird bike legendaries running around. So, eh, worth a shot. Eventually, though you would probably have to capture a specimen. Now, in our world, you can't do that with everything. I can't just go out and find, huh, a new species of bear, let's go and grab it, or a new species of whale, let's go and grab it. There's just some limits to that. So you'd have to do most of your observations, all your observations in the wild. Typically, with smaller organisms like insects, you know, the things we find more of than just about anything else, you can just take them with you and then preserve them that does involve killing them, and we're going to try and avoid that in Pokemon. Luckily, in Pokemon world, 
We got Pokeballs. We don't have to worry too much about any of that. We just chuck a Pokeball. We grab it. Now, if you have to battle your way through it, that might be a good time to take notes to see what kind of attacks it does. That's also really important because if it's something like uh, Zoroark, then it's going to turn into your poke, turn into another Pokemon, or like become some sort of horrifying illusion monster. And that's a really good note to write down as you're running in terror. Uh, once you catch this thing, uh, you are going to have to take it somewhere where you can try and learn a bit more about it. Uh, I mean, you could also just like pull a Team Rocket trap. I'm thinking about now. That I think about it, like Team Rocket had like really good ways of like catching Pokemon without catching Pokemon. I mean, they've been at this for over like 20 years at this point. It's they're really good at like. Isn't that weird that like Team Rocket can like just catch whatever Pokemon they want without a Pokeball at all? They just like, hmm, we could buy these balls at the market. Meowth, get the really big electric net and just go from there. Weird. In any case, uh, if you're playing Pokemon's uh, Legends Arceus, you would have to fight a ton of these guys to learn more about them. But in our world, we're going to go with a little bit of a, a less violent approach. Now, you would have to collect multiple samples for... An organism if you're trying to like learn more about the smaller ones especially if you want to see which one's male which one's female if there's a distinction in the differences to try and learn more about that if you're really lucky during your observations you can watch reproductive habits and that's incredibly important because if it's an organism that needs lots of space in order to reproduce it's important to know what kind of area you want to stay away from it like if if we find out like a tyranitar's breeding range is like three miles i'm gonna be four miles away from that thing i don't want to go near it now Catching it is one thing, but now, so we've got sort of a deck sentry going. Now we got to worry about the other two. We got to make sure we get the typing down, and we got to make sure that we get the breeding group. Now, the breeding group itself, not too terribly difficult, just kind of, you know, strenuous over time. To find out the egg group, we basically need to sit down that Pokemon with another Pokemon from each egg group and see which one produces offspring. Now, you can make some guesses based on its design, like say, oh, okay, maybe this belongs in the monster egg category. Make some guesses there. Probably doesn't belong in the humanoid egg group. That's for darn certain. And it's not in the water, so let's keep it off the water list. But you'd want to be thorough and test. And the egg groups are probably the most reliable way to tell you who is who and what's what. Typing. How do you figure out typing for something you don't know? I posted a picture of like a, a question of this thing and like people say, oh no, it shouldn't be dragon type. It should be a normal type. And I'm like, okay, but how would you figure that out by just looking at this thing? Like, okay, think of it this way. How would you find out that a lowland executor is not just a big grass type, but is also a grass dragon type? How would you do the same thing for this? And the answer might be something similar to an allergy test. So whenever, if you never had one before, it's basically where the doc's going to stick you with a bunch of different samples of things that you could be allergic to to find out how your body reacts. So this is a good way to find out if you're allergic to peanuts or allergic to strawberries or allergic to specific kinds of medication. This is a really good way to make sure that when you go forward in life, you're not going to accidentally poison yourself. For Pokemon, you might have to do something similar. You might have to send light attacks their way to try and see how they react and change to it. So Cyclozar being Dragon Normal type, eventually once you hit it with an Ice and Fairy type move, it's probably going to like freak out. I think it'd be really funny if like like a Gengar just showed up, shot a Shadow Ball, and it literally just phased right through it. Just blink, double blink of like, what was that? 
and that's just how you find out normal types finding out what's a normal type or not would just be hilarious to watch the ghosts like just have no effect on them in the same way it would also be funny where pulte guys or any of the other like ghost types that don't quite look like a ghost type where you try and throw like a mega kick and you literally just phase through them and hit a wall again that would be the best way to type change otherwise like how are you going to check otherwise? You just kind of have to attack them, which seems cruel. But, like, given the choices, like, there's really nothing you can do. Uh, it's not like you can get, like, a blood sample and you look inside and, like, hmm, yes, there's there's more dragon-type blood cells and normal-type blood cells than there are anything else. Not, not how that seems to work. Now, as far as releasing all this information to the public goes, this is done, like, every single day like every day there are new papers released about new species being found and you don't learn about them because they're not really reported in any sort of media it's done so often there's 18,000 a year in some cases you're not going to go through every single one you don't care about every single beetle i know that some people are going to think yes i do but do you care about every single mushroom every single fern like there's just some that aren't as appealing the only way you can really Get into the major news cycles. If it's something like really dumb, like the people who named a bee the Bazinga Bee after the Big Bang Theory, or the people who make like who find caterpillars that look like Weedle and just call them Weedle. It's what they do. It's just fun. You have to kind of either make it a catchy name, or it has to do something really cool, or it has to be just an animal that automatically looks like weird, like the Dumbo octopus, the blobfish. In our world, that's how that would be. In Pokemon. It would probably be like, oh, new Pokemon discovered because there are far less Pokemon than there are species. And then the reaction would be based on how cute it is, how strong it is. And that's something we do in our world, too. If someone told you that there was a new species of seal, you'd run for it. You'd go and look up every picture you can. If I said there was a new species of spider that lives in like Australia and has knives for fingers and lasers for eyes... You might look at it morbid curiosity, but most people would be terrified of it. And that's always important to understand about animals is that people are going to like them more if they're cute or if they're cool as opposed to if they think they're scary. And that's just a, that's a hard fact about life. You just got to try and, you know, you got to spice it up. Got to jazz it up a little bit. It doesn't have knives for hands. It has um, finger skating legs. Yeah, that's it. It's a, it's a figure skater. does a pirouette. Yeah, that's it. It'll spice it up. And on that note, uh, keep that in mind if you're going forward. Like, if you see a new species come out in an article, look it up. See what's written about it. Like, try and share that information. I guarantee the person who was actually spending all that work in Borneo looking up new stick bugs is going to appreciate that you shared their work. Now, Dragon Con is coming up. It's going to be Labor Day weekend, September 1st to the 5th. We have a bunch of panels there. I got, like, five or four panels there. You guys are going to love it. And I'll try and talk about more of it less next week. For now... Have a wonderful rest of your day or night. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.